With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's your buddy AJ from the Wife Files. And at- Hecklefish. Right. And Hecklefish. We just wanted to tell you that if you want to start a podcast, Spotify makes it easy. It'd have to be easy for humans to understand it. Will you stop that? I'm just saying. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts from your computer. I don't have a computer. Do you have a phone? Of course I have a phone. I'm not a savage. Well, with Spotify, you can record podcasts from your phone, too. Spotify makes it easy to distribute your podcast to every platform, and you can even earn money. I do need money. What do you need money for? You're kidding? I'm getting killed on Guppy support payments. These 3X wives are expensive. But you don't want to support your kids? What are you, my wife's lawyer now? Never mind. And I don't know if you noticed, but all Wi-Fi's episodes are video, too. And there's a ton of other features, but... But we can't be here all day. Will you settle down? I need you to hurry up with this stupid commercial. I got a packed calendar today. I'm sorry about him. (laughs) Anyway, check out Spotify for Podcasters. It's free, no catch, and you can start today. Are we done? We're done, but you need to check your attitude. Excuse me, but I don't have all day to sit here and talk about Spotify. Look, this would go a lot faster if if you would just let me get through it without... Today's episode of The Y Files is brought to you by Established Titles. In September 1994, Yitzhak Rabin, Prime Minister of Israel, received an ominous message. It was a warning that his life was in danger. The sender of the message said this information was secretly encoded in the Bible. Rabin ignored the warning. A year later, the Prime Minister was assassinated. The code hidden within the Bible not only predicted Rabin's assassination, but also predicted the date and even the name of the killer. Secretly encoded in the Bible, written thousands of years ago, are predictions of every major world event, including terrifying events yet to come. Abrahamic religions are those that worship the God of Abraham. And these include Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. And this is more than half the world's population, over 4 billion people. And since the dawn of these religions, believers have tried to derive meaning from religious texts. Usually it's through deciphering symbolism and allegory. But computer scientists, statisticians, and mathematicians have found literal information encoded in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, written between two and 3,000 years ago, is based on the 24 books of the Hebrew Bible. And despite being one of the oldest texts in the world, it's remained unchanged in all that time. When scribes made copies of the Old Testament, If they made even a single error, that entire text had to be buried. Why was accuracy so important? Most would say it's because this is the word of God, and to alter his word would be blasphemy. But there may be a more technical reason for maintaining accuracy, that God, or someone, encoded secrets within the texts. In the late 13th century, Rabbi Bachia ben Asher found a code hidden in the book of Genesis. He read four letters, skipped 42 letters, read another four letters, and so on. And when his chosen letters were strung together, they created a new passage that described the creation of the moon. This phrase also said that the lunar month is precisely 29.53 days. Now that's a significant finding because the exact length of the lunar month wasn't calculated until 1996 by NASA. And Rabbi Ben Asher's work was revisited in the 1940s by Rabbi H.M.D. Weissmandel. 
And Vice Vandal called this type of code an equidistant letter sequence, or ELS, otherwise known as a skip code. How it works is you take a letter or number of letters, then you skip a certain number of letters, then you take your same number of letters, skip the same number, and repeat. Rabbi Ben Asher skipped 42 letters, but you could use any number. Then you link your letters together to form new words. Now, in the 1940s, this was difficult to do manually, but later, using computers, finding skip codes would become incredibly easy. Computer programs could also expand on the skip code technique using more complicated search parameters. Originally, letters found in skip codes would be strung together to form one long line of text, but computers allowed researchers to take these long strings and divide them into lines, and these lines could be 20 characters long or 50 or whatever you put into the program. Now, with letters arranged on a grid, new messages could be found by searching for text horizontally, vertically, and diagonally, kind of like solving a word search puzzle. So using this technique, mathematicians Elihu Rips, Doran Whitsum, and Johav Rosenberg performed a series of experiments in 1985 called the Great Rabbi's Experiment. Rips and his colleagues made a list of 34 famous rabbis and sages from the Encyclopedia of Great Men in Israel. They input the names of the rabbis into their program to see if they were referenced in code in the Bible. Well, did the program find the rabbis? Now, even though these 34 men were born and died hundreds or even thousands of years after the Bible was written, their names were encoded in the Bible. Every single one. Doctors Rips, Witsum, and Rosenberg took the names of famous rabbis and input them into their computer program. The program was then instructed to iterate through various skip codes and grid sizes searching for the names. Once a match was found, the program would then search horizontally, vertically, and diagonally for dates that intersected the names. These dates would then be compared to the known dates of birth and death for each of the names. The results of the experiment surprised everyone. The computer program found all the names of the rabbis encoded within the Bible, and when arranged on a grid, they also found the dates of birth and death intersecting the names. They tried again with 32 more names. Again, the program worked. All the names and dates were encoded in the Bible. To be sure, they tested their program on the novel War and Peace and other long religious texts. They found nothing, only random letters. But in the Bible, the names were there. In total, they found the names of 166 men encoded in the Bible, thousands of years before any of them were born. Dr. Ripps said the odds of this happening by chance was about 1 in 10 million. The only conclusion that can be drawn from the scientific research regarding the Torah codes is that they exist and that they are not a mere coincidence. Doctors Ripps, Whitsum, and Rosenberg published the results of their study in the peer-reviewed journal Statistical Science. Naturally, the study was controversial. Several experts tried to find a mistake, but nobody could. In 1997, Harold Gans, a senior cryptologic mathematician for the NSA, set out to disprove the Bible code. When Gans first heard the story, he wasn't just skeptical, he said it was nonsense. People are always coming up with all kinds of weird claims the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, flying saucers. By nature and by training, I'm a skeptical person. One day my wife asked if I had ever heard of something called Torah codes. I said yes, but she shouldn't take it seriously. She asked, how do you know? Had you looked into it? I distinctly remember saying, I have better things to do with my time than chase after nonsense. And she said, how do you know it's nonsense? Gans created his own computer program to disprove the Bible code. Not only was he able to find the names of the rabbis and their birth and death dates in the Bible, his program also found their places of birth and death. So another skeptic turned believer. 
1990, Dr. Rips had an idea. He was able to find information about rabbis who lived hundreds of years ago, but he wondered if the Bible also had information about people who were still alive. In 1990, Saddam Hussein was one of the most famous people on the planet. Dr. Rips input the dictator's name into the program to see if he was encoded in the Bible. Was he? He was. Nah, that's my sugar. And if the Bible code was correct, Saddam Hussein was going to attack Israel in three weeks. Did he attack? He sure did. I'm plotsing over here. Now, it's amazing. And only in the Bible do you find this. When, for instance, by skipping an equal number of letters, you spell out President Kennedy, the very next letters in the same skip sequence say to die, and Dallas is encoded in the same place. When you look for Shakespeare, the very next words in the same equal distance skip sequence say we'll present plays on stage, and Hamlet and Macbeth are encoded in the same place. When Dr. Rips input the name Saddam Hussein into his Bible code program, the name was found. Also intersecting Saddam Hussein's name were the phrases Russian Missile and Fire on Third Shabbat. On January 18, 1990, the third Shabbat of the Hebrew calendar, Iraq fired a Russian-made missile into Israel, sparking the Gulf War. This had Dr. Rips wondering if other major events were coded in the Bible. It turned out that many were. In 1992, Michael Drosnan, an American investigative journalist, was in Israel working on a story about war in the Middle East. While there, he was told about Dr. Rip's work. Michael Drosnan didn't believe in God, much less that God would be putting coded messages in the Bible, but it sounded like an interesting story. Drosnan originally set aside an hour to speak with Dr. Rips, but before the hour was over, Drosnan extended his stay in Israel. Rips showed Drosnan that it was possible that the Bible contained billions of messages, Drosnan, intrigued but skeptical, tried to debunk the theory. He couldn't. Instead, he worked with Rips to see what other messages could be decoded. And over the next few years, Drosnan and Rips found over 1,000 events encoded in the text of the Old Testament. They looked at the book of Genesis, where God tells Abraham, look now toward heaven and count the stars. Encoded in this passage is the date July 20th, 1969, and the words spaceship and Apollo 11. The phrase economic crisis is found once. It's intersected with the words depression and stocks and the year 1929. The word Oklahoma crosses the word Murrah, which was the building destroyed in the Oklahoma City bombing. Intersecting those words is the phrase, his name was Timothy. In May 1994, the Shoemaker-Levy comet was all over the news. Scientists were speculating whether or not it would crash into Jupiter. Drosnan searched the Bible code and found the answer. The exact name, Schumacher-Levy, is there. It intersects with the phrase, Will Pound Jupiter. Crossing the phrase is the date July 16, 1994, the correct date of impact. That same year, Drosnan searched the name of Israel's Prime Minister, Yitzhak Rabin. Rabin's name was there, crossed by the phrase, Assassin Will Assassinate, and the Hebrew date, 5756, which was a few months away. In the Hebrew language, numbers also have word meanings. 5756 could be interpreted as, will you change it? Drosnan felt this was a sign that he should try to stop this prediction from coming true. He sent a message to the prime minister. Rabin didn't listen and was dead a year later, just as the Bible code predicted. On January 26, 1996, Drosnan and Dr. Rips found another ominous prediction. The word Libya intersected the phrase atomic holocaust. If predictions couldn't be changed, this did not bode well for Israel or the world. 
because the date that crossed Libya and Atomic Holocaust was January 27th, 1996, tomorrow. The Bible Code contained the phrase Atomic Holocaust crossed with the word Libya and the date January 27th, 1996. That day, Muammar Gaddafi, Libya's leader, made a public statement that Arab countries threatened by Israel have a right to nuclear weapons. Michael Drosnin feared that this was the beginning of nuclear war, but fortunately the prediction served more as a warning than as an actual war. After the prediction about the assassination of Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin, the Israeli government took Bible code predictions seriously. They did this quietly and with skepticism, but they still listened. Drosnin speculated that Israel may have been working behind the scenes to prevent nuclear war with Libya, using the Bible code as a potential source of intelligence, something they would never publicly admit. As the months passed, more Bible code predictions came true. Benjamin Netanyahu was predicted to lose the 1996 prime minister election to Shimon Peres. The Bible code said otherwise, and indeed Netanyahu won a very close election by less than 1% of the vote. Lady Diana was killed in a terrible car crash in Paris in 1997. The Bible Code has a lot of details about this. The words Princess and Diana are encoded at the same skip code distance. Next to this is the word Spencer, which was her maiden name. Intersecting Spencer, the word Wales. In surrounding verses are the words Paris and France, tunnel and river. And you might remember she was killed in a tunnel near the Seine. Also encoded is the date Ab 5757, which is the Hebrew date of August 1997, the month and year she was killed. The name Fayed was found. Dodi Fayed was Diana's companion who also died in the crash. And later, researchers found the name Henri. Henri Paul was the driver of her car. In 1997, Michael Drosnin released the book The Bible Code, which became an instant bestseller. His book inspired many other books about the hidden messages encoded in the Old Testament. Codes hidden within the Bible predicted the fall of Saddam Hussein, the capture of Osama bin Laden, both Gulf Wars, Codes were found that saw the 2008 financial crisis, the swine flu outbreak, and natural disasters like earthquakes, tsunamis, and hurricanes. But these were events that happened in the past. Interpreting past events using the Bible code was easier than predicting the future. When an event has already happened, you have all the context. If the word Hiroshima is crossed with the phrases fire from the heavens and blisters and boils, it's easy to see that this refers to an atomic bomb and radiation sickness. Predicting the future isn't so easy. Without context, what would blisters and boils even mean? You'd be guessing the meaning of the phrases, not very scientific. But the Bible code predicts terrible future disasters, and Drosnin felt that if he could locate a key to decipher all the Bible's predictions, these disasters could be prevented. Finally, Drosnin found the key, a stone pillar or obelisk. And according to the Bible code, it was buried in Jordan near the Red Sea. So, Michael Drosnin asked the Jordanian government for permission to excavate the area. To his surprise, permission was granted. Logic tells me that the Bible was encoded to give us very important information. It was encoded, certainly, by some intelligence that could see ahead, across time. It was encoded in such a way that it would be found right now by a technology that would exist for the first time now, the computer. In 2002, Michael Drosnin believed that the Bible held a hidden code that predicted an impending nuclear war. He found references to the cities Jerusalem and New York 
intersecting the name Bin Laden and the year 2006. Drosnin contacted the Israeli and United States governments, but they ignored his warnings. Allegedly. Allegedly. Even though nuclear war didn't happen in 2006, Drosnin still felt there was imminent danger and was worried he got the date wrong. Drosnin believed there was a key to the entire Bible code in the form of a stone obelisk hidden somewhere in the Jordanian desert. And if this obelisk was discovered, it would allow all predictions in the Old Testament to be deciphered, averting the coming apocalypse. But who put the obelisk in the desert in the first place and why? Drosnin wasn't religious. He didn't believe it was God speaking to Moses on the top of Mount Sinai. Drosnin actually believed that Moses was speaking to... Please say aliens. Please say aliens. Aliens. Yes, it's aliens. It's aliens. Because the Bible code could be deciphered with a computer, Drosnin believed the only way to create the code was with a computer, an incredibly advanced computer. The theory was that given enough data, an extremely advanced computer program could successfully predict all the events of the future. Just like a computer that's used to predict highway traffic patterns or the weather. You put in as much data as you can and then the computer can predict with reasonable accuracy how fast cars are going to be moving on a freeway or if it's going to rain. If the aliens use computer programs that operated at the quantum level, they could predict any possible outcome. When the Jordanian government approved the excavation request, Drosnin brought in experts from all over the world. Archaeologists, geologists, and researchers of all kinds were flown in. Finally, the obelisk would be discovered, and every code hidden within the Old Testament would be unlocked. No, what did they find? Well, the political climate of the Middle East shifts quickly. At the last minute, the excavation permit was revoked. No! Yep. Michael Drosnin would go on to publish two more books about the Bible code, but as the years went on and fewer predictions came true, each new book performed worse than the previous one. In June 2020, Michael Drosnin passed away. After spending 25 years researching, even learning Hebrew in the process, Michael Drosnin wouldn't live to see the Bible code proved. The proof is allegedly still buried in the desert, and to find it would take nothing short of a miracle. And until we get that miracle, we'll have to settle for science. The Bible Code does not give us one predetermined future. It tells us all of our possible futures. And by having this information in advance, we can prevent the worst dangers from ever taking place. When Michael Drosnin released his first book, The Bible Code, I was fascinated with it. Whether the Bible was created by time-traveling humans from the future, aliens from another world, or God himself, Drosnin seemed to answer questions that we all have. Are we alone? Or is there something more, an intelligence beyond our understanding? If the research into Bible codes was considered fringe, then Michael Drosnin was considered on the fringe of the fringe. Drosnin built on the work of Dr. Elihu Rips, who first published his paper on the Bible codes in 1985. But Professor Rips didn't believe Drosnin's predictions. He felt that Drosnin was only seeing what he wanted to see and would manipulate and interpret the results of the computer program to support the predictions. But to be fair, Dr. Rips still believed that the original study, The Great Rabbi's Experiment, was true, that the names and dates of the great Hebrew sages were coded in the Bible. However, Dr. Rips' work had challengers. In 1999, Australian mathematician Brendan McKay published his own paper in Statistical Science, the same journal that published Dr. Rips. Dr. McKay pointed out that Rips' methodology was deeply flawed. For example, in Dr. Rips' study, if the month and day were correct but the year was wrong, that was still counted as a match. 
If the year was correct, but the month was wrong, that was also a match. Plus, Dr. Rips allowed name matches that were very vague. Nicknames, titles, and initials were all counted as matches. For example, if you were searching for matches about Elvis, EA Presley or Mr. Presley or EAP would all be considered matches. So would Husband of Priscilla or Lisa Marie's father or even the king. Also, while modern Hebrew uses vowels, the ancient written Hebrew language did not. So word matches were found using only consonants, which gave the researchers a lot of wiggle room. Both Dr. Rips and Michael Drosnin blew off this criticism. In fact, Drosnin said, if my critics can find a message about the assassination of a prime minister in Moby Dick, maybe I'll believe it. No way that was in Moby Dick. Oh, not only was the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin in Moby Dick, McKay showed that it was there multiple times, yet it was only found once in the Old Testament. McKay also showed that the death of Lady Di was in Moby Dick. So were references to the assassination of Robert Kennedy, as well as other famous events. Well, maybe aliens wrote the Bible and Moby Dick. Did they ever consider that? They probably didn't. Uh-huh. McKay's point was, if you already know the outcome you want, and you have a long enough text with enough letters, you can manipulate a computer program to churn through any text in order to give you the result that you want. McKay even used this technique to find phrases about the September 11th attack in song lyrics by Vanilla Ice. All right, stop. What? Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with my brand new invention. <laughs> I can't believe I fell for that. Oh, I believe it every time. Another problem is that although the text of the Old Testament is almost identical to the text from two or three thousand years ago, it's not a perfect match. Comparisons of the current text to older copies like the Dead Sea Scrolls show a discrepancy of a few characters. A human reader wouldn't notice a difference, but a computer program designed to create a message by skipping a certain number of characters? That would break the program. So are there messages hidden within the text of the Bible? Or is this yet another case of the human mind trying to form patterns in randomness, trying to make order from chaos? I don't know. I do know that there are things in the universe beyond our understanding. And as long as mysteries exist, we have a duty to try and solve them. In other words, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it is the honor of kings to search it out. So I guess we keep searching. Today's episode is brought to you by one of the most unique sponsors we've ever had, Established Titles. That doesn't sound like VPN software. It's not. Huh, nice change of pace. Established Titles let you buy as little as one square foot of land in Scotland, and this allows you to call yourself Lord, or Laird as they say, or Lady. Also, Established Titles plants a tree with every order, and has partnered with great charities like One Tree Planted to- whoa, 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 hold on. What? Did you just say I could buy land in Scotland and become a Lord? Yep. You can even use the title on your credit cards, plane tickets- Online dating profile? Yep. So- I want it. Well, there's more I want to tell you about this. I want it now. Lord Hecklefish commands ye. Fine. Yo, get the door. That's my Lord package. Hello. I hear it. You're kidding me, right? What is this? Um, what is this, my lord, if you don't mind? Uh, you might be taking this a little too- Open a box, peasant! Okay, okay, hang on! <laughs> I could get used to this. Okay. This certifies you as Lord Hecklefish Moriarty. And uh, this is the plot number of your land in Edelson, Scotland. 
And uh, they even sent us coordinates. Google map it that I may survey my domain. Oh, this is pretty nice. It is. I can't wait to get some serfs out there to work the land for me and pay me tribute. Uh, you, you can't have any serfs. I shall be a strict but fair lord of these lands. My serfs will come to idolize me. You can't have serfs. I can maybe have a few serfs. You can't. One serf? No, stop saying serfs. Stop saying serfs, my lord. <sighs> All right, but check this out. The first 200 people who purchase a title pack using the promo code TWF will get land right near yours. My own kingdom. Kinda, yeah. I shall be a strict but fair lord to all who purchase using promo code TWF. Well, you won't be their lord. They'll be lords and ladies of their own land. Not for now, but when I raise an army and conquer their land, I shall rule over them and they will come to know me as a strict but fair lord. You can't conquer their land. Hmm, there may be a marriage pact to strengthen the kingdom. I don't see how that- I shall betroth my eldest son to the daughter of one of the other lords. We will unite our kingdoms and my blood shall rule these lands for a thousand years. You have an eldest son? What do you think those guppy support payments are for? Heckle Jr. lives with his mother in Hackensack, New Jersey. If you use code TWF, you'll get an additional 10% off. So go to establishedtitles.com slash TWF. You'll be lord of your own land, you'll get your own plot number, and you get this cool frame certificate. This makes an amazing last-minute gift. Plus, you'll be supporting a great charity and helping out the channel. And you'll be joining my kingdom! Right. And that. You will come to know me as a strict, strict but, but fair, fair lord. lord. Yeah, we got it. Kneel before me! Get bent. Yeah, don't make me declare prima nocta. Ugh, gross. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. My name is AJ. That's Hecklefish. This has been The Y-Files. If you had fun or learned anything, do me a favor and like, subscribe, comment, and share. That stuff really helps the channel. And like most topics we cover on this channel, today's topic was recommended by you. And if there's a story you'd like to see or learn more about, go to thewifiles.com slash tips. And special thanks to our patrons who make this channel possible. I'm amazed by your generosity, and I couldn't do this without you. If you'd like to support the channel, consider becoming a member on Patreon or grabbing something from the Wi-Fi store. Well, that's going to do it. Until next time, be safe, be kind, and know that you are appreciated. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flows like a harpoon daily and nightly. Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal. Light up a stage and watch it chomp like a candle. Dance. Gorgeous speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poison.